All right, Galatians chapter 5, and starting in verse 2. It's been a while since I've been in here as I thought about where we left off last time. We left off with Abraham and Sarah, and they had a child, Isaac, by and, and that was a representative of spiritual means, of supernatural circumstances. And then there was the fleshly circumstances of Abraham and Hagar with Ishmael. Ishmael represented bondage under the law, while Isaac represented the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ by grace. Salvation is by grace. And if salvation is a gift, and it comes by grace, and freedom is given to us only through the Lord Jesus Christ, then absolutely nothing else will provide salvation but Jesus Christ. Nothing else will assist in our salvation. Nothing maintains our, our keeping, our position in salvation, except for faith in Christ. So there's no someone made a profession of faith and they were saved, but they lost their way and they need to be saved. There's nothing like that. That's not scriptural. That's not truthful. You, can, you might hear a lot of it though. But So as we start in verse 2, and as I said that there's absolutely nothing else that can provide salvation but Jesus Christ, that's going to be the first point we see in verse 2. Absolutely nothing, as he continues on this subject. And verse 2, it says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. And I would like for everyone that has been a part of this study already to endure me just for a minute. For anyone that hasn't been a part of this Galatians study, uh, the, the core thing that's going on here, these Christians in Galatia, they were saved by grace. They were saved under the preaching of Paul. They were truly saved. And then the Jews came into the church and uh, came in as guests and they were kind of welcomed in. They came in in a deceiving manner and they started trying to add things to salvation. Well, okay, you can have your salvation by grace, but you have to keep the law. There's these things you have to do. There's these outward ordinances. There, there's these things you have to follow in order to maintain this. And these Christians were starting to listen to that. So we're in a situation where Paul is instructing. He's defending himself as apostle because they really ran down Paul. And, and, and said, Paul's an apostle of man, and, and he, he's not an apostle of God. He got his word from man. They're trying to discredit Paul, so Paul's defending himself, and, he's, and, and the Lord is using him to write this letter to lead them back into doctrinal truth. And so we see that there's absolutely nothing that can be added to salvation but Jesus Christ. And so let me read the, this verse again. He says, Behold, I Paul, I Paul say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. If these Galatian Christians are going to place any kind of importance on, on an outward Jewish ritual, on, on a tradition... That, that they consider something to make them right with God, a procedure or something they have to do to be right with God. If these 
Christians are going to start following this, then Christ is not going to be a benefit to them at all in, the, in their spiritual life during this time. It's, it's, it's really going to hinder things if they're going to rely on something outside of Christ to try to maintain salvation. If we rely, depend on, or focus on anything other than Jesus Christ to save us, for Him to sanctify us or to sustain us, then there's absolutely nothing in that mindset. If we drift off in error to that mindset, there's nothing we can receive from Christ by way of spiritual growth or power over sin. We're going to be stunted. We're not going to grow at all if we're relying on something that that God says is not even in the picture. So their receptiveness... The, the Christian's receptiveness here to this subject of circumcision, it's like a statement saying, I'm turning to the entire law as a sustainer of my salvation. Be, because it's, we're about to get to a point where it, it's all or nothing uh, the way you look at this. And, and so for them to be turning to the law as a sustainer of their salvation then that immediately deprives them of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It, it expresses a distrust of God's grace when you rely on something like that. So Christ is profiting them absolutely nothing right now is what Paul is telling them. And it's the same for us if we're not, abs- if He's not absolutely everything to us. Someone, people get so confused in salvation and, and the clarity. And, and one time I remember talking to someone and, and the way they were thinking led me to say, look, when it all comes down to it, it's not you. Get rid of you. Stop thinking about you. When it's all about Jesus Christ and Christ alone and what he did for you and you do a nesty plunge into his arms and you rest in him, that's when you have salvation. It's when you completely trust in him. So absolutely nothing else is is going to help. And as we look in verse 3, we see all or nothing. All or nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Let me go ahead and read through verse 12. Let's go through this and then, and then break it down. Keep on in verse 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which 
trouble you. All right, now let's go back and pick up in verse 3. And we're calling this all or nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. The Judaizers have persuaded them into something that doesn't exist in the realm of truth here, okay? As in you can have, as I said a minute ago, uh, given a opening salutation of this, you can have your grace and faith uh, in salvation, but you have to keep the law, is what they said. And, and, and the point here that they're bringing, you've got to be circumcised. This is a must. You have to do this. You have to be circumcised. This is what they're pushing on them. And to include circumcision is to sub- subject themselves to the keeping of the entire law of God. And, and James 2.10 says, you break the law in one point, you're guilty of all. Okay? It's all or nothing. It's by, So they're binding themselves to a complete achieving of all the commandments. It's all law or it's all Lord. And it's impossible for anyone to keep the entire law. It's not going to happen, but it is possible for it to be all Lord. We can trust in Him, and it's all or nothing, okay? So we see absolutely nothing is added in salvation. We see that Paul's explained to them, look, it's it's all or nothing. It, it, you can't have a little of this and a little of that. And as we go into verse 4, we see that in their condition, they're appropriating nothing. Look at verse 4. It says, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. He first says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. At the end of the verse, he says, ye are fallen from grace. Okay? Now, neither one of these phrases, the beginning nor the end of the verse means that they have lost their salvation. They can't lose their salvation. Through the entire letter, when Paul is speaking to these Christians, he is speaking in a negative sense about what they're doing, but he's speaking of their current condition, okay, in their spiritual life. He is not speaking of their permanent position That they have in Christ. There's a difference in our permanent position in Christ and our current condition and our relationship and our spiritual life with the Lord. Christ is become of no effect to you. That phrase, what that means, that's a phrase that signifies a distance involved or it signifies an avoidance it's kind of like saying it's something that pastor stone wrote in a morning manna not too long ago if god feels far away guess who moved and and, and it's not god it's us that moved away so they have interrupted their relationship with the lord these galatian christians have by trying to to they're going ahead and accepting what they're hearing and they're trying to squeeze this ordinance this this thing of circumcision this physical act of circumcision in and the law in between themselves and the lord it did, it does not belong in a relationship with the lord as far as 
putting it in as importance in salvation. It doesn't belong, so it's hindering. It has quenched and grieved the Holy Spirit and has created distance in the relationship. Not destruction of their salvation. That hasn't happened. A lot of people make those verses out and those things and that verse to mean that, but that's not what the language is saying. That's not what that's not what the Lord is saying here. It's not destruction of their salvation, but distance in the relationship. Ye are fallen from grace. The idea of a Christian fallen from grace, it doesn't mean that they're not saved anymore. I mean, if a Christian, if a Christian could lose their salvation to get it back, Jesus Christ would have to go to the cross again on Calvary and die for our sins again. And that's not going to happen. That's not in the truth. So you are fallen from grace. Here's what that means. They have lost their hold on the daily experience of God's grace for their sanctified life, for their sanctification. We need God's grace every day. It's only by God's grace that we're going to live for Him and do the things that we are to be doing for Him. And we're, and they are not doing it right now. And that's because they've fallen from the experience of God's grace. It's still there. The salvation is still there. God's grace has, has not lost hold of their justification. They're justified in Christ. Therefore, by faith in Christ, you are justified. And they have, they're justified. And I know these are big words I'm using. Justification is sanctification. It's the idea of coming to Christ and knowing Him as Savior. And then it's the idea of the condition of the spiritual life after trusting Him. And that's what they've fallen away from, the experience in their relationship. The access to grace is there, but by their choices, they're not appropriating the grace of God. No one can snatch God's children out of His hand. I heard one man say, concerning defending this truth, that it is God that saves us by His power of salvation. We are kept by the power of God through faith, right? So, so if it were possible that we could lose our salvation, there would have to be something more powerful than God to take it away. And there's nothing to do that. Use that point with people in your witness on a daily basis. So that they're not appropriating God's grace. They've fallen from the experience, not the eternal standing that is given by grace. But, but let's, look, let's look at the true teaching that Paul throws in here now in, in verse 5 versus his discrediting of what the condition they're in. In verse 5, we see that that the child of God and the will of God following the truth has anxiety about nothing. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. The unbelieving visitors to the Galatian churches, these Jews, are talking talking them into the impossible achieving of righteousness by effort to keep the law. They're huffing and puffing and, and working every day trying to achieve a righteousness that they never will be able to do. You know, and thinking about that and thinking about that mentality on, you know, no religion will give you assurance of heaven because they're not going to heaven, but they think they might by what they do. And if they do enough, and they're not sure if it's enough or if they've done too much bad. 
And it's going to be weighed out and only God knows what's going to happen. That would personally make me a nervous wreck all the time to live that way. I doubt I would be a very good witness of that kind of religion. I don't think I would open my mouth about that. Come with me and do the best you can. And we're going to see if it's good enough and we just might go to heaven together. I don't don't think I would try to sell anyone on that. I don't think I would be inspired to. You know, Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Faith is counted for righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? That imputed to us, is is the is the perfection and the goodness of God given to us that that makes us accepted by him as i as i've said before and and granddaddy really nailed a few things and 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 something he nailed is is a statement that he put out there that made so many people think you have to be as good as God to get to heaven and 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 that clearly makes everyone fall short but God imputes his goodness his righteousness to us by faith in Jesus Christ. Not something we try to live up to. It will never happen. By faith, we yield to the Holy Spirit. He says here, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. By faith, we yield to the Holy Spirit knowing that and expecting righteousness to be produced in our lives. When we yield to Him. You know, Isaiah said, All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All of our self-effort, all of the effort that the Jews, okay, are trying to put off on these Galatian Christians, it's filthy rags. It's the rags that people wipe the leper sores with. It's that, that's the only thing that, that, that came out of... Uh, the prophet's mouth that God gave him to just try to describe what our righteousness is. It will never live up. But the agency of the Holy Spirit produces righteousness in us. It, it, by faith, we're given righteousness. They are trying to, they are trying to naturally achieve something that is spiritual, the Jews are. And, but we yield to the spiritual, expecting the spiritual to be produced. We, every religion is all about what I can do for God. Christianity is what God can do through us. And, and that makes all the difference in the world. They're trying to be saved by their works. We're saved unto good works. Paul didn't report, you know, think about this. Paul didn't report to the church at Antioch what they did for God, but all that God did with them. And that's so, we had a sermon just on that a couple of months ago. And that's such an important truth for us to understand in the Christian life. That we're not going to do any favor, God any favors. We're not going to give Him any good ideas. But a, but a, but a surrendered vessel to Him is what He wants to work through. We don't need to help Him. We just need to be available to let Him work through us. An earner of salvation or the mentality of the Jews having that mentally has to wonder what's enough or how much is too little or where am I, uh, where am I going to be concerning my works when Jesus comes back? I can't imagine the anxiety of the 
of the so-called earner of salvation concerning our righteous standard with God. But for those that yield to the Spirit by faith, we have anxiety about nothing concerning our acceptance with God and concerning a standard of righteousness because He is the standard of righteousness and we have submitted to Him. Okay, and we go from anxiety about nothing to verse 6, added is nothing. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And as we've talked about before, it's as if Paul's mind is just blown by this. And he's saying, how did you guys get caught up in this? How did you guys get caught up in this outward act and this outward, this mentality of circumcision applied to your salvation, added to your salvation? In Christ, it makes no difference whether you're circumcised or not. That, that has nothing to do with salvation. It changes not one single thing. And they're caught up in these outward fleshly works, doing deeds to achieve something with God. And, and that's carnal thinking. Many religions in this world are growing and people are added to them because it's carnal thinking that builds up pride to say, this is what you can do. This is what you can do on your own to make God happy. Independent of God, you do this and you can impress God and you can bless God. And, and so the, the carnal thinking and the carnal working is building many religions today. Working to get to heaven, that's a natural motivation. That's not a, that's a car, that's a fleshly motivation. That's a pride and an ego motivation for someone to work to get to heaven. But the Christians, let me go to the Christians at Thessalonica for a minute. They had another motivation and it wasn't a carnal, carnal motivation. They were known for their work of faith and their labor of love. The Jews' motivation for works is to earn something, and ours, as well as Thessalonica's, is because we've been given something. We've been given the gift of eternal life. I want to work for my Lord. I want Him to work through me. I want to do these righteousness because He saved me. Because He's taken me to heaven. That's why we want to do this. It's all about faith in Christ. That's all there is. Added is nothing at all to secure our salvation. And what the Jews are using to motivate Galatia to work doesn't work. And circumcision, you know, circumcision isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with circumcision. But the idea of anything in, in a physical act that's going to gain or contribute to God's salvation is, is blasphemy and it's wrong and it's, and it's unscriptural. And Paul's mind is blown that they're, that they are starting to turn to this because added is nothing to God's salvation. So therefore there's a consequence that their activity is nothing in verse seven. There, you're gonna see that their activity as Christians, what's going on in the church, it's absolutely nothing. It's at a standstill in God's eyes. They're running around and they're looking busy and they're doing a lot of things that they had been doing throughout the church, but absolutely nothing is going on right now. And look what he says to them in verse seven. You did run well. Who did hinder you? that ye should not obey the truth. 
The Christian life is likened to a race many times throughout the Bible, and God uses Paul several times to talk about it. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run, that ye may obtain. And then in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14 Paul, actually, I can back out and, and it's the mentality of a race starting in 13 of Philippians 3. Brethren, I count, not, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily be set us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Galatia, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? They started out great. The churches were working, and they were serving, and they were baptizing, and they were growing, and they were outreaching, and they have been tripped up And they've been slowed down. They were doing more work before they started listening to these workers for salvation. They were, they were doing more work then than they're doing now. I mean, and none of it's counting now for the Lord by the mentality that they, that they have. But they started listening to these strangers saying that you're saved by your works. So look in verse 8 as we continue with activity is nothing. He says, concerning the hindrance of their running and, and everything they've been taught by them, he says, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Look at what you're starting to do. And what you're starting to do, church, it's opposite of the truth. You have been thrown off track. It's opposite of what I've taught you. And this hasn't come from the Lord, people. Okay? And in verse 9, he says, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You've accepted a few of these deceivers, and it's messing up everything. You know, decon rat poison is 99.995% made up of something you could put in your mouth and eat and nothing would even happen to you. It probably wouldn't taste good, but nothing would happen to you. But .005% of the rat poison is what kills the rat and what would harm you and make you and I a little sick. It just takes a little bit. And so Paul's saying, you've let, a, you've let a few of these people in here, and you've let a little bit of what they're saying come in, and it's messing up everything. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. They've been hindered and persuaded and leavened, and their activity is nothing. But let's go into verses 10 through 12, and it changes the tune here. And we're going to see that adversity is nothing, ultimately, for the child of God. Look what he says here. He sa- After all of this, 
And after his mind is blown by the mentality of these true believers and the, and the false doctrine they've started following, he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will none otherwise, that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. Paul has confidence in them that they will overcome this adversity. Why? Why? I mean, they've, they've fallen from grace, right? And we know what people say about fallen from grace. And Christ is of no effect to you. But, but he, has, he says, I have confidence in you now. That, that, you're, that things are going to get right. That you're going to overcome this. That you're going to defeat this. And you're going to get it back in the truth. Really? How... How was he thinking this? Why? Because they're justified. Because they truly do know the Lord. They haven't lost anything, of course, in their position with the Lord. Christ has become of no effect, is what he told them. They have fallen from grace, but they're still saved. How does he have confidence? Because they're saved. And once saved, always saved. That's the truth. They're justified. And if they were separated from God altogether, which isn't possible, how in the world would He put confidence in them? I have confidence in you, He says. And then in verse 11, He says, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. They have made up many rumors about Paul. They have said many lies about Paul. And one thing they said as they're saying, oh yeah, you have to include circumcision. Circumcision is part of salvation. Paul preached circumcision. Come on, we have and And Saul might have preached circumcision before he was saved. But the Apostle Paul didn't. He said, he said okay, they say I preach circumcision. Why am I persecuted by them then? Why, why, are they, why am I persecuted on that very thing? Paul believes, though, that they will rise above their disguised enemies and all the accusations of Paul preaching circumcision and all the wrong doctrine that they err in. Saul preached circumcision, but Paul was persecuted for not preaching it. And look what he says in verse 12. He says, I I would, I would they were even cut off which trouble you. And, and there's some pretty strong language here. And, and, I'll just, and I'll just leave that with you to, to read on and meditate on and figure, out, figure that out. But I'll just say this, that Paul was very, very passionate and very confident about God's justice against those who try to contaminate God pe- God's people, who try to twist them and lure them away from the truth. Well... As we continue going through this book, Paul is, Paul is hard at work in leading these Christians back into the truth. As I've said before, the Corinthians, they, they were in a very carnal position in the way they were acting and the way they were living. But I see so much more firmness in, not that any of that's okay, but I see so much more firmness in someone erring from the truth. And how passionate God is about His truth. And how important God's truth is in His church. And and, and how we should constantly contend for for the faith. How we should 
constantly be, be, be searching in the Scriptures and, and knowing the Word of God. For every Christian to be strong in the Word of God brings a great value and, and, and a great protection and a great strength to the Lord's church. Uh, I'm starting something with the teenagers next Monday. We're, we're going to read through the Bible in a year. I don't know how many are going to join. I'm not, I'm not making anyone or forcing anyone, anyone that wants to read through the Bible in a year. We're going to start it next Monday. And, and, and what a wonderful asset that is to have a child of God strong in the truth. Well, I'm going to leave it with you now for prayer requests and praise reports.